This is the voice of contract management presented by the law firm of Kroll & Mooring exclusively for NCMA. Stay up to date on all things contract management five minutes at a time. Our team at Kroll & Mooring presents these podcasts to keep you up to speed on a bi-monthly basis. We will cover everything from regulatory updates to crucial changes that affect government contracting. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Olivia Lynch, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And I'll turn it to Olivia to start things off with an update on an executive order. Olivia, over to you. On May 20, 2021, President Biden issued an executive order on climate-related financial risk, setting forth the administration's policy regarding the evaluation and incorporation of climate-related financial risk into the government's purchasing, lending, and financial sector oversight activities by directing a wide range of agencies to develop plans and coordinate efforts to assess climate-related financial risks, including transition risks. This latest EO underscores the strength of the Biden administration's commitment to achieve net zero greenhouse gas, or GHG, emissions economy-wide by 2050. This EO built on earlier Biden administration efforts, including the Securities and Exchange Commission's creation of a climate and environmental, social, and governance task force, as well as those of the previous administration, including the Commodity Futures Trading Commission's report on managing climate risk in the U.S. financial system. The substance of this EO puts a spotlight on the risks to the U.S. financial system from climate change. The EO directs the FAR Council to consult with leaders of the Council on Environmental Quality and other agencies. First, to amend the FAR to require major federal contractors to disclose GHG emissions, and climate-related financial risk, as well as to set science-based reduction targets, and second, to consider climate change risk in procurement decisions and give preference to suppliers with lower GHG emissions. Thanks, Olivia. Next up is a final rule on contract closeout. On May 20th, DOD issued that rule effective immediately, amending the DFARS to permit expedited contract closeout through a waiver executed by the contractor and the government, and it's a waiver of entitlement to any residual dollar amounts that are due to either party at the time of closeout. The rule was enacted to ensure an expedited closeout process and DFARS that will save costs for both the contractor and the government. The final rule creates a new clause, DFARS 252-204-7022, and it's titled Expediting Contract Closeout. And that new clause will apply to a category of acquisitions that are most likely to benefit from expedited contract closeout. This includes solicitations and contracts for acquisitions valued at or below the simplified acquisition threshold and to acquisitions of commercial items, including commercially available off-the-shelf items. Next up, over to Olivia to talk about an update on a decision involving mentor-protege joint ventures. On May 5th, 2021, the Office of Hearings and Appeals of the Small Business Administration affirmed a size determination that a joint venture formed pursuant to SBA's Mentor-Protege Program was other than small because the Joint Venture Agreement, or JBA, failed to contain all provisions required by the SBA's Joint Venture Regulation at 13 CFR 125-8B and was therefore ineligible for exemption from affiliation afforded under SBA's Joint Venture Affiliation Rule at 13 CFR 121-103-H. And key here is that OHA noted that, notwithstanding the fact that 
this procurement was for a facility support services IDIQ contract, the work required for a significant part of the procurement was known in advance and equipment identified in known locations. And because the locations to be serviced were known and the nature of work was known, OHA concluded that it was possible for the joint venture to identify the equipment necessary to perform the maintenance and which firm would be supplying which items of the equipment in the joint venture agreement. That is, OHA believed that a precise allocation of known responsibilities, including the allocation of personnel and equipment, was able to be included in the joint venture agreement. But because neither the original joint venture agreement or the addendum adopted the, the joint venture agreement to address this procurement, listed the equipment that was to be used during performance of this contract, OHA ruled that the JVA failed to satisfy the requirements of 13 CFR 125.8b.6, that the JVA itemized all major equipment, facilities, and other resources to be furnished by each party to the joint venture with a detailed schedule of cost or value of each where practical. OHA also noted that the JVA and addendum failed to identify a program manager for the contract, also in violation of 13 CFR 125.8b. Perfect. All right. Lots obviously going on with MPJVs these days and something to watch closely as OHA issues rulings like the one Olivia just talked about. I want to briefly touch on three additional items. On May 20th, DOD issued a proposed DFARS provision on post-award debriefings. The proposed rule largely codifies the existing enhanced post-award debriefing rules established by DOD's class deviation on enhanced post-award debriefing rights, which it issued in March of 2018. Second item, on May 20th, FedRAMP, through the Joint Authorization Board, known as the JAB or JAB, provided updates to FedRAMP's low, moderate, and high baseline templates. Of particular note, the JAB added a requirement to the FedRAMP requirements requiring service providers to comply with FAR requirements implementing Section 889 of the National Defense Authorization Act for FY19. Third item, on May 17th, DOJ announced the establishment of the COVID-19 Fraud Enforcement Task Force. In a memo accompanying the announcement, the Attorney General wrote that the COVID-19 pandemic has given rise to numerous forms of fraud, including sale of fraudulent products, fraudulent applications for loans, and fraudulent misrepresentation of products and services sold to the federal government. The AG pledged that DOJ would use, open quote, every available tool, including criminal, civil, and administrative actions to combat and prevent COVID-related fraud, close quote. Note that the reference to administrative action includes a number of different things, but that would refer, among others, to suspension and debarment. So a lot going on with government oversight of COVID-19 relief and COVID-19 spend. So with that, we'll close out for this edition. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Contract Management, brought to you by Kroll & Mooring exclusively for NCMA. Stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to discuss all things government contracting. In the meantime, explore your learning opportunities at www.ncmahq.org slash course catalog.